0: This is the education show, unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration. Proudly brought to you by Zabuza.net. And once more, another edition of The Education Show and another special guest for you. This time, a gentleman I've been wanting to speak to for quite a bit. Um, In in fact, since I I was introduced to him because he's got something really interesting. It's called School Turnaround Foundation. So I want to find out about that. But let me first introduce you to my special guest. He is Corville Cranfield. Corville, welcome to The Education Show.
1: Thanks, David. And thank you for this opportunity. And thanks to the listeners who will be listening to this broadcast. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thanks so much.
0: Yep. It's all about having great conversations. And we do get, like yourself, some of the best guests around. But before we get into what uh, School Turnaround Foundation is, tell me a little bit about Corville. Where where were you born, bred, and, and how did we get to this organization?
1: All right, perfect. So let me start. I was born in in a little place called Weinberg in in Cape Town. I I attended um, primary school, Thornton Road Primary School, went to Alexander Sinton High, matriculated in the wonderful year of 1976. And so that year is a story in and of itself. Then went to the university. I'm, I'm just giving you a nutshell, right? And then went to the University of the Western Cape to do a BA and a teacher's um, diploma. Started teaching at a school called Athlon High School, and I was there for 18 years. Then decided to retire after 18 years with the whole rationalization in education at that particular time. And then immediately started to work at the University of Cape Town in the schools development unit in the education uh, faculty at, at UCT, and I worked there for about eight years, and then received a Fulbright scholarship to to complete my PhD at Michigan State University. And the focus of the PhD was three-pronged to be well versed or kind of become almost like a a kind of an expert in mathematics, in mathematics education, as well as um, research. And so I completed that, returned back to to South Africa and then worked for a year at Stellenbosch University in their curriculum um, section. And then from there, um, was asked by Deloitte to lead one of the projects in Limpopo, and um, we had 119 schools. We started working there for a couple of years, and then I worked for the National Education Collaboration Trust, still part of the 119 schools, but kind of being the maths coordinator for five provinces. It was from, from the work in Limpopo that three of us Eugene Daniels, a Dr. Khali, Khalia, myself decided to start the School Turnaround Foundation. And so as we ended our work in Limpopo, we then started the School's Turnaround Foundation in 2015 and returned basically back to the Western Cape. And so... The work of Full Turnaround Foundation is what I can talk about. But that, I thought, was just a nutshell. So my whole, whole life has been in education. I know nothing else but education. And so, you know, to share some of those learnings with you would be great.
0: Fantastic stuff. And, and wow, <laughs> you know, you, 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 got, you glossed over the Fulbright part. But I mean, that's, that's fairly impressive. And I'm so glad we could, we could chat to you. And, and on the subject, uh, which sounds to me to be your passion is mathematics. I wish I'd known you when I was at school because I was horrible at maths. Never got it, never understood it. And the, the whole thing was just a, a nightmare for me. But anyway, so, so what is the purpose of the School Turnaround Foundation, Corville?
1: So fundamentally, the School Turnaround Foundation, we, we kind of run on, on five core principles um, for education. And, and the first one is, we believe that all learners were created to be successful. And that means that a parent will not send their child to school to fail. And so failure should not even be part of our conversation. And so all learners were created to be successful. And how do we then create within our schools the environment for for that to be the case? And so a big part of the professional development that we do with our, with our teachers and, and with our schools is basically to ask them if, if that's what they believe. And it's, it's very interesting that in virtually all our professional development classes, most teachers believe that. But then we take it a step further and say, great, if you believe all learners were created to be successful, then you should also believe that all learners were created to be successful in mathematics. And so you can imagine the conversation we have there. And so hopefully if I have time, I'd like to talk about our flagship school, Timber, where mathematics is, is kind of compulsory. Um, all our, our, our learners are, are doing maths. And that is because the hard work it's done in grade eight and nine. If you don't do the hard work in grade eight and nine, then that cannot um, happen. But basically, our first principle all learners were created to be successful. Uh, a second very important principle is that the academic ability of our learners is not linked to their economic and their um, social and cultural status in society. In other words, you know, poor learners can perform at the same level as middle-class and rich, rich learners, given the opportunity and the space and the environment for that. So, the academic ability of learners is not linked to to their um, social and cultural economic um, status. the The third the third principle that we operate on is is I think a very important one because it talks about transformation. And it's about transformation in adults. As, as, as teachers in particular, um, we need to change how we think about doing stuff, how we go about doing stuff, because we can't do things consistently and persistently, things that don't work. So if a teacher persistently gets 30% um, turnaround, let's say, for, for maths, year in, year out. The only common denominator is the teacher because it's a different cohort of students every year. So there needs to be a different way of doing things. And and so we say adults need to change and connect this change with the dreams of our learners. Our learners come to school. Most of them just come to school to be there, but we have to create a dream and we get our learners from from grade eight to radio, even from in primary school, to actually say what they want to become, and and that's just nice story to talk about at some point. The fourth very important um, principle is that you know a lot of a lot of teachers, a lot of schools just operate in this deficit um, thinking. Model and and we have this victim mentality where we 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 blame everyone else around us. So so when I work with teachers and they say, "Corval, um, the the system, the system is a the problem," then I say to them, "Listen, give me the phone number of the system so I can phone the system and find out exactly what they're doing to cause this." this problem, and that just creates a space for us to, to work. And so we need to change the blame game. And we ask teachers, in this space, this is what we have. What can you do for the kids that's in front of you? And that's how we we, we start. So we, we try to shift and move away from this deficit thinking um, way of doing stuff and also uh, move away from the victim mentality because that is one of the reasons why a lot of our schools are not progressing. And then the, the, the other important and last important one is we talk about dysfunctionality by design. So when, when we start working with schools, they, Teachers often, and and rightfully so, complain around the CAPS curriculum, for example. And the CAPS curriculum is really massive. The only problem is that the curriculum is not linked to the school calendar. And so this misalignment is the cause of a lot of our problems. And so we need to deal with the dysfunctionality within the system and within our curriculum and then assist and help our teachers. And we provide tools to address some of this dysfunctionality that we've identified as the cause of the problem. So, so I know it's, it's, it's long, but that's, that's in essence the principles that, that guide our, our work and our thinking.
0: Now, when you talk about uh, engaging with uh, with the educators themselves, is this across the board, or, or, or is there a focus on mathematics?
1: So, it, 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 we 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 do professional development with all teachers. We we focus on on all subjects because we want well-rounded learners. And once we we get the teachers to 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 work on the trajectory that they plan. Um, Then I have the side focus of then looking at the mathematics issue, because the math issue, you know, in in South Africa is massive. Why is it that we keep coming last in all international tests, for example, or assessments? There are reasons for that. And, and so if I get a chance, I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the, the maths issue. But no, this is for everybody because it's a whole school kind of change that's, that's required. And what we found that if you improve the mathematics at, say, a high school, everything else tend to just move up as well. Um, and that's what research is showing us, that if schools do well in, in mathematics and in science, then normally... Um, the results overall at that school is quite good.
0: Uh, this is this is fascinating to me, Corval, and and I think we should maybe touch on on the mathematics aspect now, because as you as you've rightly mentioned, there's there's a huge problem there, and and there's sort of two schools of thought. The one school of thought, um, which I've heard very very often, is you know oh well maths is is not that important. We don't really need maths, and then on the other hand, we get people that are saying, but hang on a second. Um, in order for us to have qualified, well-rounded, professional people that can go into the sciences, et cetera, et cetera, maths is vitally important. Where where do you stand on that on that subject?
1: I think I think maths is critically important, um, and and it's critically important in the fact that it's all around us. It's it's. And, and, and it actually in almost everything we do, we do some math. and some people now say yeah, but that's more like, like mathematical literacy. No, it's first of all, it's mathematics. So so and I, and I like to, to use this as an example. So my wife, I mean she never did maths at school, she, she hates uh, maths. and so with my math background, we said, okay, how's this going to work? And then of course we then spoke about, the budget and I said okay since you don't like mathematics I will run the budget for the household and immediately she said no no I can do budget so I said but then you can do do maths and so we underestimate the 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 ability because of of, of people applying mathematics and a lot of that is based on on negative school experiences, especially primary school experiences. And and when I work with primary school teachers in particular, I I say to the teachers that, you know, as a teacher, you have no right not to love mathematics because, you know, if you tell the kids, you hated maths, you never liked math, why do you expect them to do maths in your class or, or for other teachers? Because they will say, no, but this thing is a horrible subject. So as adults, we, 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 we put this thing on our kids. And then with parents as well, they come to me and say, well, can you help? Because I told my daughter, I hated maths and I can't do maths. But then I said, but then you're giving them the right to say exactly the same thing. So you have to portray this in a very different way. And, and what I say to parents is your negative experience cannot be a de- determinant for your 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 kids growing up and it's we don't it's not a maths problem it's a it's a it's a, an adult thinking issue that becomes more problematic so that's the one side the second side is the way maths is being taught the the fun aspect is just taken out of the curriculum completely because teachers are just chasing curriculum completion. And so maybe a, a quick test, David, I, th- I know you thought you would get away without doing a, an assessment or a test, but let me ask you a very quick question. And I ask this in all my PDs, it's, it's called a confidence test. And, and you have three seconds to answer it, right? If okay. you agree with a statement, yes. And if you disagree, you have to say no. But you only have three seconds to act. It's a, it's a, it's a quick confidence test. Can I, can, I, can I shoot? Let's do it. All right, great. So here's a quick question. So if you agree with it, it's yes. If you disagree, it's no. And if you're saying nothing after three seconds, then you're confused, right? And, and that's not a good place to be. So here's the question. Is, is three times four, the same as four times three. Yes. One, two, three. So, so yes, so, so I'm not sure if, if, if you, you told me earlier on you didn't like math and so forth, so I don't think you would be a maths teacher, right? But most teachers, in fact, in all my workshops across five provinces, whenever I ask that question and I've got a maths community in front of me, more than 90% of the teachers all say yes. And, and that, in essence, is the problem with the teaching of mathematics. You see, 3 times 4 and 4 times 3 are conceptually really, really different. So, 3 bags of 4 oranges is not the same as 4 bags with 3 oranges, right? The number of oranges is 12. And so, what we do in South Africa, we chase answers, but we don't chase deep conceptual understanding. And I would rather have kids knowing the meaning of of, of what multiplication is than for them just to memorize 3 times 4 is twelve, four times 4 is 16. And and that rote learning, it's about the understanding and the deep conceptual stuff that we need to focus on. And we can make it fun in, in teaching that.
0: Now, you see there you've just hit on a couple of vitally important things is is number one, the fun aspect. Now, if I think back, which is quite a way I have to go back to my school days, um, grade one and grade two, um, my teachers were fantastic. I hit standard one and I had a very dry, very bored kind of maths teacher, and that was when we had to go into the more complicated times, tables, etc., cetera, et cetera. And from then on, I don't know if it was a stereotype or, or just the way I felt, but then from there on in, I had boring maths teachers, and that that was, was never a good thing. So the fun aspect, I, I totally get it. And I mean, now, when you talk about this conceptual thinking, the first thing I did when you asked me that question, I went, Three, fours are 12, so yeah, four, threes are 12. Yeah, no, it's, I, I agree. And, and as, as you went on to explain it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So it's the thinking behind the numbers. I think that's vitally important.
1: No, absolutely. And, and, and then I normally in, in the meetings, I would go a little bit further and say, listen, if you buy a car and, and your car is three by five meters and you build a garage that is five by three then you should rather go park at your neighbor's place because it's not going to fit in your garage. And and this immediately gets people to realize that this difference, three times five, it's something they never even thought of because the focus and, and, and what multiplication means is not important. And then later on, when the kids have to transfer multiplication to algebraic principles, they lost because they weren't taught that correctly in the arithmetic side of things. And that's Ooh. where a lot of our kids fall flat as they moved into high
0: school. I remember that when whenever I used to get told to solve for X or something, I used to break out into a cold sweat. And I think, yeah, it's 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 as you say. But now the change then Corville would, would, would come with the teachers because I believe teachers have got such a vital role in, in our country and, in fact, across the world, and, and I'm one of those people that think that we should, we should put them on pedestals and they should get paid a lot more, but that's another discussion entirely. But teaching, to my mind, and, and knowing the teachers I know, it's not a job. It's a calling, um, and, and, and they do it because they are called to it.
1: Yeah. So, so you, 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 you're spot on, David, and, and the thing is you find a lot of teachers are just there to receive their, their paycheck, right? But I, I must add that a lot of the teachers that I, I work with and um, engage with are, are really, really hardworking because for me, there are only two kinds of, of teachers. There are teachers and there are those who think, they are teachers. And and why I say that is because those who are teachers will care about their learners. And so success in, in mathematics is all around relationships. Quality teaching, quality learning is first of all a relationship issue. And so I find that, that teachers who have great relationships with their, with, their, with their students, the students tend to do much, much better. And we see this in our schools as well, where a teacher who, who may not be um, well-versed in the content of mathematics, but because he's got this great relationship with the, with, the, with, the, with the kids, he gets the best out of them. And they will tend to do more for that teacher because they like the teacher. And so we, we mustn't underestimate the role of, of relationships in the process, but teachers are generally hard, hard working. I mean, when they finish at school, it, it's it's stuff then they do at home, um, you know, and and one of the other pr- things that we do, we have 22 pillars, which we may not get around to, to talking about, but we have 22 pillars, of excellence that we introduce as well. And each pillar is around three to four hours of of professional development because we like teachers to understand the, the thinking behind, the rationale behind, and then the implementation side of things. And one of the pillars causes consternation. And you know what's that pillar? And I know it's, I think it's pillar 13. It is, we have a no Homework policy. And you know, initially this messes up the teachers completely because your whole history is around you do this in class, you do that at home. Yeah. Homework must follow. But at the school that we are work- at the schools that we are working in, with this no homework policy, teachers will tell you how life has become easier because of that. And by the way, if kids don't do homework, what happens? It ends up at the principal's door. And a lot of principals said, I'm getting so sick and tired. Teachers bringing kids that don't bring homework. And the fight is around homework. And by the way, when I visit schools and I get to school 7.30 and school start at 8 o'clock, what do I see? I see kids all sitting around a corner with someone's book and writing down <laughs> the homework. <laughs> and, and, and so there's a, a way of thinking about homework. Meaning that if you don't have a no, if you have a no homework policy, it means what you do in that hour in class must be highly structured and important, and the classwork must be essential. You see, homework was about you just complete what you didn't do in class, but homework has taken on a completely different meaning. This. For the last couple of years and and it has worked in our schools and, and that's something one can talk about as well you know. Well
0: that's very interesting because I mean I for one always used to see homework as a punishment and, <laughs> and yes I, I was one of those different thinkers and I'm like why can't you just show me what you need to show me while I'm here why punish me and make me go home and sweat over this for the next four hours. But uh, again, just my, my experience, but, but I like what you say about relationships, because if I think once again, back to my schooling career, one of my favorite teachers that I ever had um, and sadly she's passed on was a lady by the name of Mrs. Paulson and she was an English teacher and she made English the most fun the most exciting thing I used to love going to English classes, even though at one stage she said she'd have Julius Caesar printed in comic strip form yeah. for me, I'd understand it. It was that sense of humor that that she brought it alive you know the 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 poets and and all of that was brought alive, and I did exceptionally well in English uh, maths, as I said, not so much. Corval, I think we've probably got so much to talk to. We're going to have to get you onto the show again at some stage. What I'd like to move on now to, though, is you've mentioned uh, your, your flagship uh, school. I think it was uh, Temba High School. Yeah. And and I'd love to know what your methodologies and, and your intervention there, what has it done for the school? So so let's talk a little bit about Temba. So that's great.
1: So I mentioned the 22... Um, pillars of of excellence. So what we've done at Swalatemba, and we've worked there for four years, this is the fifth year, it was a new school, so we had the luxury of starting with the grade eights, and then the second year, that would be your grade nines, and then we take in a new group of grade eights, and so now that group that we started in 2016, 2017, is now in matric, and so... The targets that were set based on the trajectory and the work that we've done is that we we have now forecast already that the schools should get a hundred, and this is a school in the township in in, in Wooster. And so we're expecting at the end of the year, if everything goes and even with COVID um, around us as well, that there should be a hundred percent pass. We also expect a 100% pass in mathematics. So all of them doing um, mathematics, we expecting all of them to get, or most of them to get above 50% in every subject, meaning that probably 60 to 70% of the learners should get bachelor's as well. And for a, a township school, that is no mean feat, but it's, it's hard work by the teachers over the last four years. And the only way we could, we could really get maths to be compulsory is because the teachers did the hard work in grade eight and nine. And when I say the hard work, you need to address the deficits, the gaps, the conceptual limitations, the misconceptions that kids bring from primary school to high school. And it took us about two years to address a lot of that. And then at grade 10, we could say, well, the the, the group is ready to, to do maths. A lot of schools, if you're not prepared to do the hard work in grade 8 and 9, you cannot make maths, um, pure maths. You can't make pure maths um, compulsory. And so we've managed to achieve that. And only because of the hard work of the... Of the teachers and so the trajectory of the work that we've done is great and so what are the 22 pillars about the 22 pillars is about the first eight is and i and i can just talk about the first one is about the success of all learners how do we guarantee and how do we work with that and it's not only an academic focus because if you only focus on the academic side you're going to lose a large percentage of your kids. So we're talking also about the the social and effective side of kids. In other words, you need to know what's happening in their lives before you can expect great work from them. And, And so our teachers have made the effort of getting to know the learners, getting to know what's the home circumstances as well and what can impact the learning Every, every learner in grade eight already gets asked, what is your dream? And and, 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 and very interesting, you know, we, I asked one of the learners that he said he wants to be a fireman. And I said, why do you want to be a fireman? And he said, you know, my mom was working. She's now unemployed because the factory burnt down. And if the fire people had reacted quicker, they would have saved the factory, and my mom would be working, and so and so there are there are issues that come up just with the simple thing when you ask what what's your dream, you hear these these great stories, and so the first eight um, pillars is around the principle setting, the culture of excellence in the school. So, for example, a lot of people ask, why is Juala Tembe so successful? And I said, Zwala Tembe is successful because they got the quantity right. And once you get the quantity right, the quality will follow. And when I talk about the quantity, we say that schools need to teach or for 170 days. Because the CAPS curriculum is designed for teaching and learning and assessment to take place in 170 days. When we were in Limpopo and we did the analysis with the district, you know, they gave us a total of 135 days. So here's a district telling you that our schools have 135 days to teach. But your curriculum is still 170 days. And so that misalignment is the cause of a lot of our problems. So the success at Zuala Temba is the fact that they that they um, they teach for 170 days, and the school starts at 7:30 and ends at four o'clock. We have seven one-hour periods, which means we have seven we have 35 hours a week, and that's Monday to Friday. Um, there's no half day on Friday. So that extended time gives teachers an opportunity to complete all the work at school. There's no need for homework. There's no need for extra classes. We're not running extra classes because teachers are able to complete what they are required to do. So the principal sets that tone in the culture of excellence, then we go to managing the curriculum. That's where the HODs and the principal then um, manage the curriculum and set the tone for, for implementation and delivery. And so the planning gets done at, at the, the SMT level, the, with, with the HODs included. And then the last six is around classroom management, and that's where the teacher come in. And the success of the classroom is dependent on how successful the previous 18 pillars are implemented because that creates the environment, the space and the opportunity for learning to take place. The other important thing in what we do, um, David, is we talk about a shift. Our, Our shift is around learning and not teaching because teaching without learning is a complete waste of time. And so we have to refocus our attention in classroom to the learning. How do teachers know their kids have just learned what they've done? And that becomes the powerful implementation tone that we do
0: in our schools. This sounds... Amazing. I mean, okay, except for the part where you said that school starts at, at what did you say, 7 or 7.30? 7.30 Seven, till four. 4 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, except for that part, because I can see immediately when people hear that, they're going to throw their hands up in the air in horror. Um, and, and that would probably be the students that would do that. But the, the question in is... Fact,
1: in fact, David, you you uh, let me just um, jump in. You, you're very right. The only problem is... That because it was a new school, one can do that because you set the the ethos. Our kids, and and when you speak to the principal, our kids don't, at the end, at four o'clock, they don't even want to leave the school, all right? That's the one. Initially, the the issue is around teachers because teachers, year of teachers at other schools ending at three o'clock and that, but... The advantages, and I, and we work at other schools where where, where schools run from eight till two thirty, but then they run Saturday classes, they run after school classes. So who's fooling who in this process? And so it's it's a it's a different way of thinking. And 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 as I said earlier, if you continue to do the things that you have been doing you're not going to change your results. You have to do things differently. And it starts with time, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, well, who was it that said, was it Einstein who said, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, that's a definition of insanity. Exactly. So, exactly. You know? Correct. There. Yeah, yeah. But now, Kobo, my next question to you would be, if Timber is doing this well, which clearly it is, why aren't all schools doing this why is there this disconnect and and why did we need a foundation like yours to help us
1: you know i think i think when you look at, at education and the rut that we find ourselves in if you look at at where schools are and and i mean if you just look at the matric results. Um, schools are still getting 30% pass rates, 40% um, and so forth. And and the reason for that is they keep doing the same things over and over. So what we've done, and we started this journey in Limpopo, unfortunately we only had two years and our principals bought into the, the journey, but then of course funding becomes a, a, a problem. So we want to show that, if Swala Tembe at the end of this year achieved the results that, that they've set out, and imagine as, as a township school, that's the result. It would change how people think about education. And, and, and we need to talk about transformation in its true sense not just verbal diarrhea, people talk about transformation and change, and then nothing changes. Whereas if you come to Swala Timber and you are welcome to visit anytime, um, you will see the difference. It's a marked difference in how things are done and how teachers are working in the school. And look, we can only set the tools and provide some, some guides. And, and frameworks under which the teachers act, but they do the hard work. And so what we do has to be empowering. And a lot of this doesn't happen overnight. And that's why after four years, we can say we have had this four-year journey with the teachers. The teachers are now, so when you ask the maths teacher, how many A's are you expecting? He will confidently tell you I'm expecting at least 20 A's. Why because he knows his learners and he knows what he's working towards and I think that that confidence only comes because the whole school embarked on the journey and unfortunately we don't see that in our other schools.
0: Okay we, we, we're almost uh, out of time here but but let me just uh, ask you one or two more questions before I let you go Corville and we, we're probably going to need to talk some more I think. Uh, We'll have to uh, ask Malcolm nicely from Zabuza.net. Yeah. But uh, if there's, there's a teacher that's listening now or a parent or anybody that's involved in education and they want to find out more or, or get involved and start in their own small way, do you offer resources? and How would people get in touch with you?
1: So we, we do a lot of work with, with requests. So some principals um, from, from other schools have asked us to come in and do a, a, just a one session with their, with their staff or maybe with the SMT. And, and what we try and do is set the, the challenges. I have a, a math group that I work with and there there's um, consistent kind of questions. So anybody has... Nishu, we we try and help as, as much as we can. And once teachers buy into a transformative way of thinking around education and maybe also in maths, we we are here to, to help and, and guide them as as, as well. Um, we do have our focus schools. I I used to run before COVID, COVID put the end to it a little bit, but every month we would have like maths conferences um, on a Saturday and we would have about 20 to 30 schools represented in those and it's all about if you're interested you can come and so we want to share what we do and once we see the success I think people will will we did look hey wait 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 here's something happening and that's what you need you need your outcomes to follow and intervention. And I think that's important. So yes, we, we, we would help as much as we can. That's why we, we are called school turnaround because we live, we believe it's not just about improvement, doing things better, but we want to do things differently. And that's important.
0: Kovil, I mean, you you, you talked about Thula Temba, which is in sort of your neck of of the woods. What about through the rest of South Africa? Do you do you have anything running elsewhere at this stage, or are those plans that you want to still implement going forward?
1: At at the moment, we we're sharing um, a lot of of what we're doing with with different district directors. The, the big problem is obviously procuring services. And so a lot of people, they've bought into the idea and, the, and they like what's happening. And so to, to run it in a, a large scale would need somebody to put some, some money to that. And so that's kind of been the, the problem at the moment where virtually all the uh, district directors that we've spoken to in the Western Cape in particular, is, is really excited about the work that we're doing, and um, they've asked us to put through some proposals. So we're hoping that things will will expand. But you know, for me, an experience like Swala Timber will 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 definitely change how people think, and and that's why the outcomes at Swala Timber is going to be very very important. So we'll, we'll have to watch the the space. But you correct, um, you correct. Um, you know, a lot of schools also really don't want to change because this model will, will shift their comfort zone and you need teachers then to buy into that process.
0: You know what? I, I, hopefully, maybe, right, you know, we never know. Maybe there's uh, somebody that's involved in the corporate world that's listening to this uh, podcast and they go, this sounds like something we need to get involved in as part of our corporate social responsibility. Because sadly, you know, these things are not free and it does all come down to, to money. Koval, before I let you go, two more questions. Where do people get hold of, of, of you guys if they want to find out some more?
1: So they can, they can email me directly and I can share my, my email. I think you have the email that, that they can use. Or send in WhatsApp. We have a couple of WhatsApp groups going. And so we can, we can do that as well. So they can contact me through um, School Turnaround Foundation on, on, on Facebook. We, we have a site there as well. Okay, um, that's probably the so
0: best to, to, to yes. just get one point of, of contact, which is, so it's just go onto Facebook and look for School Turnaround Foundation.
1: Yes. Uh, and, and and then, of course, we, we're busy with the Mabusa site as well, setting up School Turnaround Foundation there as well, as well as my own profile um, as well. So people should be able to contact me directly. I'm working with Malcolm to make sure that happens now within the next couple of days. So we want the profile and the school turnaround on Mabuza site to run. And so that's another way of contacting
0: us as well. Oh, fantastic. So you can get hold of us at uh, Zabuza.net as well. Get hold of the School Turnaround Foundation. Corville, this has been fascinating, and I'm sure we need we're gonna get you on the program again. But before we go, so you've done this well with uh, with the school. What's next for Corville and the, the Turnaround Foundation? The School Turnaround Foundation. So
1: for for us, is to try and establish a, a cadre of different thinking individuals. So we're hoping that the people that we have worked with, um, and again, it's a funding issue, will be drawn into us because we're not getting any younger. And so we need a different group of people to run with some of the ideas. So I think it's about setting up the sustainability of of what we're doing, and, and that's going to be the the next challenge for me. The next thing I want to do is to kind of write a book on 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 the maths issues that that's going on that may help teachers. So I'm busy trying to put that together as as well. But I think it's about building the sustainability for school turnaround foundation, um, and we need a cadre of of of, of of younger teachers that's passionate around change in education to, to run with, with the ideas and to run with some of the frameworks we have in place and to adapt and change. Because if these things just stay static, then we also failing. So it has to evolve um, regularly. And, 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 and sometimes you need, you need new minds to, to be creative um, around change as well. So we're open to all that. And yes, that for me is the big issue at the moment, the book and then the sustainability of SDF.
0: Fantastic. Well, that wraps up the education show uh, for this edition. Um, our special guest is Corval Cranfield. Corval, thank you so much for taking the time out and having a chat to us. Uh, I really do appreciate it. I think you guys are doing some outstanding work and uh, may you just go from strength to strength.
1: Great. Thanks, David. And thanks to those listening to this podcast. And please feel free to contact me. Um, I'll I'll respond to every request that comes this way. Definitely. Thanks so much for the opportunity and the space and the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, David.
0: Wonderful stuff. There was Corbel Cranfield, my special guest. Wraps it up for this edition, as I said, uh, to each and every one of you. Look after yourselves. Stay safe. And thank you for listening. That was the education show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zebuza.net. That's z i b u z a.net.